Hello and welcome to the Canola Watch podcast. My name is Jay Wetter. The topic today is club root and specifically the challenges of working with this particular pathogen. My guest is... Uh, my name is Adel Perez Lopez and I'm an assistant professor in phytopathology at University Laval, Quebec City. Club root disease is caused by the pathogen Plasmodiophora brassicae. The pathogen is an organism with plant, animal, and fungal characteristics. As it says in the Canola Encyclopedia, P. brassicae is an obligate parasite, which means the pathogen can't grow and multiply without a living host, such as canola or other susceptible crops and weeds. That presents a challenge for researchers looking to advance genetic resistance in canola plants. Adel Perez Lopez will explain why and describe the ongoing work to match resistance with the pathotypes in the field. Here we go. Adel, what inspired you to get into science in the first place? I, I think that was when I was in secondary school, I had a really good professor, a biology professor, and she inspired us, many of us, to, to get into science. She was really curious and she was always showing us things like nature. I remember I, my first passion was mosses, <laughs> which is uh, really funny, but uh, she was really passionate about science in general, biology. Looking at your LinkedIn profile, You've studied and worked at a few universities. The first ones were in Cuba. Are you are you from Cuba? Yes, I'm from Cuba. Uh, I was born in a small town close to Havana City. The name is Guinness. It's, <laughs> it's a little bit dif uh, difficult to say uh, for, I think, an English speaker. <laughs> but yeah, I'm from Cuba. Then uh, I went to study biochemistry in Havana University in the faculty, biology faculty. And then during my undergrad, I studied dengue virus. So dengue virus caused dengue fever. Uh, and it's a really big problem in Cuba and in tropical countries. So you, you went from moss as a, as a kid <laughs> to <laughs> dengue virus and then eventually to club root. So where, where did the club root uh, research start for you? That's a really interesting question. Uh, so I did part of my PhD. I work with Astagello Phytoplasma, which I know you have a podcast on with a, one of my supervisors, Tim Dumonso. So he was part of my uh, supervisor during the PhD. And during my time in Canada, I did an internship in 2015 I started hearing about club root, club root, but I had no idea what was club root. Was then in 2017 that I went to United States to work with another bacteria similar to Astagello phytoplasma that I wanted to return to Canada. So I was motivated by personal, but also by science and by my love for Canada. It was like, all the things aligned and there was this position open for a postdoc in University of Saskatchewan in the Department of Biology. 
I also wanted to switch a little bit from very applied uh, plant pathology to more molecular plant pathology. So this was the perfect project in the perfect place because I really love Saskatoon, Saskatchewan and the prairies in general. And so then you moved to Quebec because you loved the prairies so much. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good point. So why I moved to Quebec, uh, you probably know that finding uh, faculty positions is very, very hard. And in some point of your career, you want to be able to take more decisions to, uh, to move the science to a different place. So I was also collaborating through Tim Dumonso, for example, he, have he had or and have collaborators in Quebec about blueberry fi stone phytoplasma. So I was aware of the scientific environment in plant pathology here in Quebec. So when I saw the position, I said, well, it's not the prairies, uh, but it's a faculty position, you know? <laughs> um, and I had to take the decision and it, I, I was offered the position. So the good thing, I was able to keep working with the prairies. So when I came, I said to my to my head of the department, you know, I'm here in Quebec, but I want to keep working with clubroot. There's a small amount of canola grown in Quebec, and they do have a clubroot issue. But but yeah, you're you're still focusing on on clubroot with a prairie focus. And in fact, on your your lab's website, clubroot is the first thing listed. And within that mention. You say that the we're going to dig into some details now. You you call the club root pathos system a challenging model. What makes it challenging? Well, many many things make it makes it really challenging because, for example, club root cannot be cultured. So when you have a pathogen that can only be studied inside another organism, that's a big challenge. So we have to uh, do different indirect approach to solve many of the questions we have with the club root pathogen and with canola, because we cannot have it in a media like a bacteria or like a fungi, that many of those uh, pathogen can be isolated, can be transformed, can be mutated. Uh, that, that's impossible in our system. So we always have to use different indirect approach to be able to answer many of the questions. So that's the number one thing. The other one, and it's also related to this, is that we have always, we always need to be propagating the pathogen. So we need to have a space, greenhouse, to always be propagating the different isolates, the different strains that we want to work. Then the other part of the equation is the plant. Canola, eh, we don't have a public, or we have some, but haven't been developed as good as wheat or soybean, because canola have been almost from the beginning developed by the industry. So, for example, eh, we have to work with the industry to be able to advance the area, because if we work independent, if we work with seeds from 
public collections and, th uh, and not the real material that the grower is using, we will not be able to answer questions that are not only basic science, but it's also what the grower needs. You just published today an article, you co-authored an article in, in, a, in a publication called Molecular Plant Pathology, and you provided, provided a profile update of clubroot. And yes. I, I feel like the part that probably contains the most important message is the part that I have the hardest time comprehending. And it's the part about effectors and resistance. Can you help me understand, you know, what, what we're learning about effectors and resistance and how that might help us manage clubroot better? First, I will start with saying what is an effector in general, a, a, the general concept. So pathogens to be able to colonize the host, to be able to uh, reproduce, to complete, complete their life cycle, they use different molecules. Can be a protein or can be a hormone or can be any molecule that the pathogen use to manipulate the plant to avoid the resistance of the plant and then infect the host. So these molecules are called effectors. In the last five to 10 years, the focus has been in proteins. So usually we talk about protein effectors because proteins have shown that they can do many things in the host. So why this is important for resistance? A group of these effectors, they are recognized by the plant. The plant, during the interaction, the long coevolution with the different pathogen, they have developed resistant genes. And those resistant genes can recognize the effectors from the pathogen and then trigger resistance and immunity. When these effectors interact, with resistant genes, they are known as avirulent factors or avirulent genes. We talk about avirulence a lot with blackleg. Yeah. So you've got you've got the resistance gene in the plant that matches the mm -hmm. the effector or this avirulent um, factor or protein mm -hmm. in the in the pathogen. So this isn't something that I've talked I've heard talk much about in clubroot though. So, <laughs> so you're saying that there's some parallels between how clubroot could be managed and with how blackleg is currently managed from a resistance matching perspective. Is that, have I got that? Exactly, exactly. And blackleg is a perfect example of how we can advance a breeding with research and with science. Now, blackleg is a less challenging model because there are ways that you can transform and you can do different things. Uh, but clubroot is another story. And, and I think that that's why we are so behind because it's a very technical challenge working with clubroot. So- Well, you, you mentioned, again, just to go back to some of the yeah, stuff yeah. that you mentioned <laughs> earlier. So the fact that it can't be cultured, um, that 
so you can't just do petri dish type tests <laughs> you need yeah. you need a living plant you need you need galls you need infected plants to do testing um is that is that the bigger challenge or the the biggest challenge when it comes to pushing this research along yes that's a, one of the biggest challenge because for example one of the ways that black leg avirulence gene have been uh, identified is through reverse genetics. So what is the meaning? That they can start doing crossing of different strains or different uh, pathotypes. Uh, I'm not very familiarized with the with the black leg research, but uh, but I know this is one of the strategies because I've been reading how can we learn from uh, the black leg canola pathosystem for the clobrum pathosystem? And the answer is that we barely can. Because it's a completely different model. So I know that they have been doing crossing. For example, if you identify a virulent strain and an avirulent strain, you can start doing crossing until you find in the progeny where what is the gene responsible for the virulence mm -hmm. or the avirulence, you know, and then you identify and then you go back to canola and then you try to identify what is the resistant gene, which they are already well known also. So with, what what's happened? the challenge with, yeah, with clubroot then, what is the challenge with matching the plant genetics with the pathogen genetics? One of the main challenges is that uh, we don't have genomic information of enough, for example, pathotypes. We are advancing, for example, recently, uh, Professor Stephen Strekov, they published that they sequenced 45 new isolates. They still haven't released the, the sequence, but that would be an advance. Here in our lab, we also are planning to do that. The other problem that we have is that we still don't know the real identity of clobrol resistant genes. So we have markers, uh, we are doing breathing in form, but I cannot say this is the gene. The opposite in black leg, we already can say this is the gene that is resistant, that is uh, providing the resistance. So we we are blind in both in both sides. We are blind in both sides when it comes to clubroot. <laughs> is does is that related to what you mentioned earlier about the the private sector controlling the the commercial genetics and the public sector doing the research and there's just not enough cooperation or is it more of a technical challenge? It has been both, I think. For many years, I think that we haven't worked enough with the with the industry. Uh, on answering those questions, but also it's a very technical challenge because um, when you have a pathogen that you cannot be, a, a, when you don't have enough diversity of the pathogen, you cannot match it to the to the plant. So also when um, the genome sequencing is a very big challenge for canola in general. And just recently there was a study 
saying that probably Mendel resistance, which is one of the main sources of resistance that we have, are two different genes. But maybe we still don't have the answer complete. And the other problem that we have is that the community is not releasing the data. For example, that work from this group that publishing in Plant Biotechnology Journal, that they resequence not Brassica napus, it was Brassica rapa, which is uh, the source many times of the resistance to club root. They resequence the genome and still the data, even when the, the paper is published, is not available. So we are working uh, with a lot of secrets. We are working uh, uh, not for the interest of a community, only for the interest of uh, publishing papers or maybe uh, creating a patent, you know, like, I think that we are lagging of that collaboration of that, uh, that at least here in Canada should not happen because the science is uh, funded by the growers. So we are working for the growers. I want to get to that, uh, but just I'm going to go back first. You you said there's not enough diversity in the pathogen. Do you mean that I think the pathogen is is quite diverse and maybe more diverse than we realize, given the work that Steven Strelkoff is doing in isolating all those pathotypes. But so, but so I think you mean there's not enough diversity within the resistance, the canola resistance to the pathogen. No, I this part was a little confusing. <laughs> so I mean that we don't have enough, for example, we don't have enough genome sequences, sequenced. So we need to sequence more genomes. We need to know the full extent of the diversity, but also match that diversity with genomic data. So there is one a method that is widely used to identify, for example, virulent genes. And the name is um, GWAS. The meaning of GWAS is genome-wide association studies. What do we need to do at GWAS? We need to have the phenotypic information and the genotypic information. So for example, if I want to know what are the virulent genes that are interacting with Mendel resistance, for example. We need to phenotype a big set, big set of isolates in hosts that have Mendel resistance. But we also need to have the genome of all those isolates that we are phenotyping. So mm. how we do that? Well, we need to have access to not only one plant that have Mendel resistant. We need to have, for example, the material from different companies that the resistant is the Mendel resistant. And we also have to have a collection of pathotypes or isolates that we have the genome. But it's not 40, it's not 50. We are talking about more than 100 or even 200 if we want to really have a conclusive result. How do we get to uh, a situation where that level of collaboration happens? 
I think that required a lot of work and and required to ask for a lot of trust because um, it's not an easy work. You know, it's a it's a long term project, and that's the other thing. We need to stop thinking in a fast solutions. We need to start thinking in long term research. An example of that is the uh, black leg, for example. This is not something that was created in one day or two years or three years. These have been going on for a decade or more. Because if we go back to the beginning in the University of Saskatchewan of black leg research, I would say even more than 10 years. Something that we start here in the lab, um, and it's a project that I call Club root genome evolution, so club genome geno evil. So this is a project that we are creating a collection of club root. So what I did is simply identify who is working with club root around the world. You know, I'm not only interested in Canada because I feel like in the world we are living right now, it's so easy to get a pathogen from other place. You know, we have a, a lot of communication, a lot of uh, trading, uh, and, and it's really hard to control. So why not getting ready to have a, all the information of all the isolates we can find? So I did this, I started sending emails. They have been really long, but right now we have isolates from 12 countries in the lab. So what is the idea? We want to create single sport isolates for all these field isolates that we got from Europe, from Latin America, from Asia, from Africa. So we are going to sequence the genome and we are going to start, of course, with the Canadian isolates because we already have funding for that, but we are going to expand. We are going to expand to create the biggest uh, genomic collection for the club root pathogen. So what we are going to learn, we are going to learn virulent genes, we are going to learn effectors, we are going to learn different mechanisms that the pathogen use to, for example, break down resistance that we still don't know why every time we put a new resistance in the field, there are new pathotypes coming. So we don't know that. And until we understand the basic biology of the pathogen, but also uh, all these mechanisms, we are not going to be able to have a forever lasting or at least long time lasting resistance. Okay, so the, the pathogen itself adapts quite quickly in, in the field, is that what you're saying? That's what we don't know. That's another project that we are doing in the lab. So <laughs> the general consensus is that we might have populations of different uh, pathotypes in the field. So when you put a resistant plant, probably those pathotypes that they were not uh, being selected, now they have a selective pressure that is forcing them to take over the population. And then those are the successful ones because one thing that we need to remember is that the pathogen at all costs is going to try to infect the plant because mm -hmm. it's how 
it can reproduce. With the ideal situation then, and we can close with this, what, what, what we're going toward is a system that can quickly identify the, the pathotypes within a field and then a, a very comprehensive description of the genes available in commercial canola and then being able to, to match the best hybrid with the situation in the field. Is that is that what we're hoping to achieve? Yeah. So that's a that's another it's a, a I think that that's one of the main um, deliverables of the project would be a better way to know what you have in the field and then a way to advise the grower what they need to do and what variety they need to use or what resistance they need to use. There are many, many things coming out of the these kind of projects, but I think that that's for now is one of the, the best way. Another one is to be able to uh, do a better informed breeding too, because we have a lot of market right now. We have a good sources of resistance, but until we really know what is the identity of the gene, what is the mechanism behind the resistance, how the pathogen is really the pathogen being selected or is only that the pathogen is very good adapting to a new genotype. So I think that the, all those questions need to be answered and, and, and we have the tools now, we have a lot of tools to, to advance this research. What's the priority now research-wise to get there? I think that one of the priorities should be keep understanding the resistance and keep understanding the chlorophyll pathogen. I think we should go deep. For example, now uh, here in the lab, we have a project that we have different, we have many projects in Club and that's why you saw that in the web page is the number one. I feel like 80% of the lab is Club oriented, and we have projects that they are all going to, to match in one goal, and it's that understanding the resistance and understanding the pathogen. For example, for the resistance, we have two projects. We have one that is searching for a, those resistant genes that we already have in commercial lines. So in collaboration with the industry, we are uh, searching those resistant genes that they are in commercial lines using a method that only target resistant genes. So we will, is genomics using genomics. So we will identify those resistant genes, but at the same time, we are characterizing all the factors that the pathogen might be encoding. So all the factors that the pathogen is releasing during the infection, we are also characterizing them. So these are two independent projects, but we be, be, the goal is to fully identify virulence genes and to fully characterize resistant genes. So once we have those two matching partners, we can do a lot 
we can do a lot, lot of things. In closing, I ask Adele for a final thought. I think the, the Clubroot research is a very, very challenging research, but also very exciting. And I think that we need to keep working together to be able to find solutions for the growers. We are trying to have impactful research. For example, that paper that we published today is a review, but we took eight months to write that review because we wanted to really put the information that would be useful for the community. We created figures, we created a graph that can be used, for example, in Canola Encyclopedia that can be used for any person that wants to know more about Clubroot. So that same philosophy that we use to have this review would be to finish any story that we want to put out to the community because it can get very confusing. Thank you so much, Adele. <laughs> Thank you for the invitation and uh, I will be pending to see the episode. To read the new journal article published the day we talked, November 29th, 2022, search for the title, The Clubroot Pathogen Plasmodiophora Brassicae, a Profile Update, published in the open access journal called Molecular Plant Pathology. For more on the lab of Adele Perez-Lopez, go to edelabcriv.com. For more on Clubroot, its life cycle prevention management and genetic resistance, go to the diseases section at canolaencyclopedia.ca. Canola Watch is an agronomy service from the Canola Council of Canada with support from the three prairies-based canola grower organizations, SAS Canola, Alberta Canola, and Manitoba Canola Growers. At the core of Canola Watch is a timely agronomy email with regular updates throughout the growing season on pests, weather, fertilizer management, and other topics. If you are not already subscribed, please sign up at canolawatch.org. This has been a Canola Watch podcast. My name is Jay Wetter. Thank you very much for listening.